Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. First Samuel chapter 17, that's where we've been. The famous story of David and Goliath. David kills Goliath. Amazing story. But you see, the story of David and Goliath doesn't start in chapter 17. It actually starts in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. Because something very important happens in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. And I want us to read that and we'll build on from there today. That becomes the starting point for our conversation. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse number 13, NLT, New Living Translation, is what I'm reading to us right now. 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 13, the Bible says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Rama, the spirit of the Lord came, not just came ordinarily, it came powerfully upon David from that day on. So this is where his giant slaying days really started. I want to teach now, just stay with me. Um, I will try to unburden as much as I have this morning before I feel like I have the signals and the spirits to go into minister, all right? So just lean in, stay, stay tuned, and keep your hearts opened. No recap, but I have to say this, that giant slaying, like I said, it's not about doing something big with your life. It's about doing something significant in life or with your life, rather. I said it's not about selfish ambition. It's about God's agenda, all right? I said it's not about making a name for yourself. It's about making a name for him, for him, for him. So everything that I just said, the three things I just said, it's not about selfish ambition. It's about God's agenda, God's agenda. It's about doing something significant with your life and about making a name for him. These three things I just said, you cannot do these things without the Holy Spirit helping you. It's just not possible. It's not possible as a child of God. Let me explain what it means to be a child of God. The Bible says that God takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and he plants you in the kingdom of his dear son. All right, now what happens is that you have switched economies. You're now in the economy of God. And for you to prosper and thrive in the economy of God, one of the things that you must understand is the place of the Holy Spirit. When you were in the world, you were not a Christian, you might have been doing all kinds of things, living your life, even being successful, you know, pursuing God, pursuing other things. I mean, not God, pursuing other things in life and doing well. But the moment you make the transition to the kingdom of God, what happens is you have to study the economy of that kingdom so that you can thrive in that kingdom. All right. And one of the things that you need, one of the pillars of that kingdom is that the Holy Spirit is essential. There's nothing you can do outside of the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you just refresh your memory, think back the past few weeks, and if you haven't been with us the past few weeks as we've been talking about giant slayers, 
I strongly encourage you to go back, go on the app and listen to the sermons from the past few weeks. Some of the things we said, you know, critical things that you have to renew your mind. You cannot renew your mind without the Holy Spirit. We talked about the giant in the mind. It's by the Holy Spirit that your mind is renewed. We talked about the fact that the voice of the Lord has to be the loudest voice. Guess what? It's through the Holy Spirit that we hear God's voice. We said you have to be on the path of purpose and God's agenda. Guess what? It's the Spirit of God that leads us because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. All right. So it's the Holy Spirit that is at the foundation of any giant slaying activity that you are going to pursue. The Holy Spirit is at the root of it. He's at the root of it. You cannot do any of those things without the Holy Spirit. But let's stay on one because I don't have time. I can't teach extensively today. Just one part. I said that it's not about making a name for yourself. It's about making a name for him. So let's stay on that one piece, making a name for him. What does this mean? Let me show you what this means in book of John chapter 16 and verse 13 and 14. John 16 Verse number 13 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, that however, New King James Version, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Why? Because he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now pay attention to verse 14. It says, he will glorify me. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit and he says when the Holy Spirit comes, one of his primary assignments is that he will glorify me. The, the, the One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he glorifies the Father. He glorifies Jesus. He magnifies the Father. He glorifies the Son. He will glorify me. And that right there, he will glorify me is making a name for him, is that you do something that God takes the glory for and it's only by the Holy Spirit. So you cannot glorify him without the Holy Spirit and therefore you cannot make a name for him without the Holy Spirit. The litmus test, all right, of a work of the Spirit is that Jesus is glorified. When you see something, maybe you even attend, even if it's a church, and you say, well, there is a powerful move of the Spirit going on there. If Jesus is not the one being glorified, I doubt strongly that it's a move of the Spirit. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit, the focal points of the Holy Spirit is that he always seeks to glorify Jesus. Always seeks to glorify Jesus. The end result, all right, of anything the Holy Spirit does is the glorification of God. It is. And that's one of the reasons why, pay attention, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about self. When the Holy Spirit is doing the work in your life and through you, and you decide to ascribe glory to yourself, and you make it about selfish ambition, what you've done is that you have robbed the Holy Spirit of his ability to glorify Jesus in that situation. And this is one of the examples of the instances, rather, where the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. I believe firmly that one of the things that causes us to grieve the Spirit of God is when we ascribe glory for something that He is doing in our lives because He is not His plan, His agenda. He is not focused on glorifying you or self. He's focused on glorifying Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit is doing anything in your life, in your family, in your career, in your business, in your academics, in 
any area of your life that the Spirit is doing, the intent of that is to glorify Jesus. But when we take on the glory to ourselves, what happens is that we grieve the Holy Spirit. All right, we grieve the Holy Spirit. It is it is the final objective of the Holy Spirit. The end point of everything that the Holy Spirit does is to bring glory to Jesus. When you read the book of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, pay attention. This is when the Bible's after the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 5, the Holy Spirit comes heavily and mightily and the crowd gathers and people are wondering what's going on here. And Peter stands up and starts to speak. Read Acts chapter 2 very closely. You will see the emphasis on glorifying Jesus. He would say, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, you know, attested by God, a man whom you killed. It's always Jesus, 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 consistently Jesus, every time Jesus. When you move to Acts chapter 3, there is the miracle of the man who was at the beautiful gate, who was born lame at his feet. 40 years old, never, 40 years old, he never walked a day in his life. Peter and John heal him of his lameness. There's a miracle a crowd gathers again and just read the chapter, you would see the emphasis on Jesus. They would always point back to Jesus. Why look on us as if we, with our own strength, have made this man whole? But Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, through his name, faith, through, you know, it was constantly Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. And the purest picture of the church, all right, before corruption came into the body of Christ, was Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. As you start to go further down, then the flesh started to kick in. There started to be dispute, disputes in the church and things like that. But when you read Acts 2 and 3, the emphasis is always to glorify Jesus. Being a giant slayer is not about making a name for yourself. It's about making a name for him. You make a name for him by glorifying Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the agency through which Jesus is always glorified. So therefore, because every child of God, every believer, you and I, every single one of us has the Holy Spirit in us, we are all called to be giant slayers. I'll say that again so that those of you with a sandwich in your mouth can hear me. Even yes, even you too. Every one of us, as far as you say you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a giant slayer. And so let me talk to that first category of people that I have ignored for the past three, four, five weeks. The first category of people, remember them, I said those are people who capture no spiritual intent at all. They have no desire to be giant slayers. They don't capture the intent of the spirit at all. And so they do not pursue anything that is considered to be a giant slaying mission. That is completely wrong. That goes against the grain of what it means to be a Christian. Every single child of God has the potential and not just the potential but a calling a responsibility to be a giant slayer why because the holy spirit is in you so we're not all called okay to the limelight but we are all called to give light we're not all called to the limelight to fame but we are all called to give light that's why the bible says in matthew 5 and verse 16 let your light your light you and you and you every single one of us not god's light your light let it shine all right that men may see your good works your good works and as a result what happens the end result is always what glorification the glorify your father who is in heaven 
So let me stay on that text. That verse I just read, I just, I just quoted to you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. That's what I just quoted to you in case you want to take notes. The Bible says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That means that every child of God has light. And that's why you're a giant slayer because when you have light in a dark world, it means that your, your life has significance. Ha. When you have light, in a dark world, it means you can further God's agenda. And when you have light in a dark world, like Matthew 5, 16 says, it means you can bring glory to God. But how do we have light? Pay attention. Have you ever seen, and I know some of you are going to say, what is that? But it's called a lantern, right? Now, I remember when I was growing up in the hood. Ah, amen. Thank you, God, for delivering me. When I was growing up in the hood, I remember back in the day, back in the day, way back, when there was no power some of you are like what does that mean there was no power it means there was no power the lights were off all right you couldn't charge your phones nothing there was something called a lantern a lantern a lantern is a, a lamp of sorts all right a local lamp i would call it actually that had a compartment where you would put fuel oil all right usually kerosene all right and then it had a compartment where there would be fire and then there, it would have some ventilation that allowed a bit of oxygen in so that the fire does not go out. The reason why is so that you can have light. So you have a lantern in every room. Like I said, if you didn't grow up in the hood, you have no context of what I'm talking about. So just look at the image, <laughs> all right? And it helps you to see. It's not good light. You shouldn't read with that light, but it at least makes sure that there's a little bit of light in the house, all right, until power is restored or until you put on the generator or something like that. So think about your life as a lantern. I know some of you are like, I reject that in Jesus' name. But just for the sake of analogy, okay, you're not a lantern in Jesus' name, all right? You are you are uh, an LED light, all right? <laughs> all right? But for the sake of analogy, think of yourself as a lantern. The oil is a form of fuel that allows the fire to burn. The Holy Spirit is, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is oil. He is a fuel. Guess what? There is fire. The Holy Spirit also is like fire because the Bible says that he, Jesus, would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, cloven tongues as of fire, divided tongues of fire, came and sat on each and every one of them. So that's another symbol of the Holy Spirit. Also, the ventilation, because one of the ways to kill fire is if you, if you, if you starve fire of oxygen, it dies. Of, it just dies. It dies naturally. All right. And so the ventilation, which is the air or wind, also allows oxygen to keep the fire burning. That's also another symbol of the Holy Spirit, the wind. So you can have no lights if there is no fire. You can have no fire if there is no fuel and if there is no ventilation. The Holy Spirit is the totality of what enables and empowers you and I to be able to say or to quote, to quote that scripture, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 that says, let your light, you can have no light if the Holy Spirit is not in you. If you have no fuel, if you have no fire, if you have no air, no air to keep the fire burning, then the whole, then you can have no light to offer a dark world. That's why every single one of us is called to be a giant slayer, let your light, your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is a generous God. I say that again. 
our God, our Father, He is a generous God. The Bible says that He allows it to rain on both the wicked and the righteous. He allows the sun to shine on both the wicked and the righteous. There are blessings every day. He gives the gift of a new day to both the wicked and the righteous. There are blessings that God gives to everybody, irrespective of whether you are a follower of Jesus Christ or not, because He is a generous God. That's His nature. Ha! One of those blessings that God gives to every single human being is what I call gifts, natural gifts, aka talents. All right. There are some things that you are naturally good at that you did not have to learn, or even if you learned it, you you realize that you are naturally inclined to those things. Every human being has a talent. This is part of the generosity of God. God gives everybody that comes to the earth at least one gift that you are over and above most people at. There's one thing in your life that if you were to judge your life, you were to assess your life, you are way above average. Not only that, but it also comes easy to you. That Those are your natural gifts. Everybody has one. Now listen, not everyone has been put in an environment all right, where the natural gifts can find expression, all right, that's why you see more people flourishing in the natural gifts in the Western world, because the environment has been built to allow gifts to find expression. But some of us, <laughs> and some of you listening to me right now, I know you can relate, maybe when you were growing up, the things you were naturally good at, your parents made sure they fulfilled scripture, all right, that says, spare the rod and spoil the child, and they encourage those giftings out of your life, okay? But that withstanding, that does not mean that you didn't have any gifts. God gives everybody gifts. There's nobody. You know, when, when we watch some of those videos and you see a child somewhere in a remote village, somewhere in, you know, sometimes most times it's in Africa, and they look like they've not eaten for days, and they look really bad, really sad pictures, right? That child has a talent. Everybody that came to the earth has one thing that God gave them, at least one thing that they're naturally good at and better than most people. You know, even people that have, I mean, this guy comes to mind, Stephen Hawking. Maybe you know about Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was this guy who, you know, suffered from ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, right? But he was, he was a cosmologist and he was a theoretical physicist. That's what he was, a theoretical physicist and a cosmologist. And, and, Stephen Hawking, even though he had a physical disability, he could, you know, as he got older, he started to lose function, functionality in his body. He became paralyzed and all and all. He had a beautiful mind that God gave him. He was an atheist, but guess what? Everybody has something, you know, and your talent was given to you by God. You didn't pray for it before you came from heaven. You didn't tell God, God, I'm going to the earth now. I know I'm going to be born um, in Ottawa and I would like to have these gifts. No, he gave you a gift because he's a generous God. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. But when you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and the Holy Spirit does two things. Amongst other things, but pertaining to the subject, two things. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is that He amplifies the gifts that you already had, which I said everybody has something. He makes it stronger. He magnifies the natural gifts that you already have. And the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is that He comes with new gifts into your life. So you have natural gifts, gifts of the Father that everybody has. And then when you meet the Lord and the Spirit of God comes into your life, what He does is that He amplifies the natural gifts you have. He 
breathes upon it. We call it an anointing. And he gives you also some gifts that you never had before only start to show up in your life after you start walking with Jesus. That's what happens. So, 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 so pay attention. When you're someone who has a good voice and maybe they're not saved, they're just circular artists or something and they sing, the best that they can do is minister to your physical being and minister to you emotionally, your soulish realm. They can never minister to you spiritually. So best thing, they can entertain you and they can uplift you. Music is uplifting, right? If it's good music, person sounds right, you can be uplifted by music, whether it's anointed or not. However, that voice can never cast out devils. It is when the Spirit of God comes upon you that you can sing and your voice can bring healing to the sick. You can sing and your voice can cast out devils. You can sing and your voice facilitates the prophetic. Why? Because on top of your natural gift, there has been an added layer by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, which gives you what you call an anointing, which is just an enablement of the Spirit that gives your voice that was ordinary or that was exceptional before, gives it more potency to do more than what it could do before. So if people are thriving in society, you see people who are excelling in society today, they are thriving most times just on the strength of their natural gifts. So you have your natural gifts and you have the Holy Spirit. So my question is, what then is responsible for the mediocrity in the life of most Christians? What is responsible for the aberration of, of, of the body of Christ, the body of Jesus Christ being classified as non-essential? Ha. What is responsible for such, such mediocrity? What is responsible for the places that we find some of our names? where you have no business being, even though, like I said, you have the spirit and you have the natural. What is responsible for some of the things we see? Giant slaying comes by the impact of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Never forget that. It is the impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to slay giants. Let's talk about David for a second. David was a talented harp player, they said. First Samuel chapter 16, read about him. But not only was he talented, there was an anointing on his life that when he played the harp, demons would leave Saul. That was no ordinary harp playing. That wasn't just talent. That was the impact of the Holy Spirit on his life. And he knew it. David had the Spirit of God on him. Listen, David was a type of a New Testament believer. In the Old Testament, David is one person that I found that the Spirit of God comes and stays on him permanently because the Bible says it. It doesn't matter how many times we hear that the Spirit of God did not stay on people in the Old Testament. He comes and leaves. That's not the truth. The Bible is clear. I just read it to you that the Spirit of God came upon David, 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13, from that day forward, powerfully, not ordinarily, powerfully so david was an old testament a type okay representation of a new testament christian that's why you would find that david is the only guy in the old testament who had a heart to heart relationship with god which was symbolic of the kind of relationship we would have in the new testament david was the only guy in the old testament who operated as king as priest and as prophet he would go into the temple and eat the showbread which was meant only for priests he would eat it and god did not kill him Anybody else tried that, God would have killed the person quick. But he had a revelation of God 
that was beyond what anybody else in his day had. He had a relationship, a personal relationship. So when God says, I have found my servant David who would do all my good pleasure. He's a man after my own heart. He had a heart-to-heart relationship with God in a generation that did not know God in that way. He was a king. He was a priest. David could consult God by himself. He didn't need a prophet. He would tell the priest, bring me the linen effort. And he would seek God's face and he would inquire of God and God would tell him what to do. He didn't need a prophet. And he was also prophetic, by the way. He had some messianic prophecies. So he was priest. He was king. He was prophets, just like you. New Testament Christians are your, your king. Bible says you're a royal priesthood. At the same time, also God speaks to you directly because he has put his spirit in you. So David was all these things and he knew he had the spirit of God in him. So the root, the foundation of his ability to kill Goliath was in the fact that he was a spiritual person, that he understood that the spirit of God is upon me. And so when he showed up on the battlefield and everyone was running away, he goes, yep, I'm going to kill that guy. Not because of anything else, but because he knew what was upon him. And so when he sinned against God, in the book of Psalms chapter 51, you see his prayer after he had committed, you know, the sin, you know, of murder and adultery against God. He would say, take not your Holy Spirit from me in verse number 11, because he was conscious of the fact that he had something that most people did not have, which was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the key to his victory against Goliath, was the, was the key, was the secret to David's effectiveness in killing giants, in doing something significant with his life, in furthering God's agenda and God's kingdom, all right, in making a name for God. How do we benefit then from a relationship with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that God, there are three dimensions of God. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God, okay? He's not assistant God, He's God. If you, if you want to enjoy and, you know, really maximize the, the ministry of God the Father, you must understand love. Okay? That's, that's His primary expression is love. Love. And, and also, you must return love to Him for you to benefit as much from Him. That's why He says, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your, everything you have, you love Him with it. The first commandment, it's love. God's ex- prim- God the Father, his primary expression is love. God the Son, Jesus, his primary expression is grace. And if you never understand grace, you cannot, you cannot maximize the potential of salvation. Grace is the expression of Jesus Christ. And you must understand same for you to benefit from his ministry, the ministry of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, who we're speaking about today, it's fellowship, relationship. If you don't have relationship with the Holy Spirit, oh, you, you would really live a marginal life as a Christian. It's fellowship. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That was the prayer of Paul to the Corinthians. It's, it's fellowship. It's relationship. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. With the Holy Spirit. So for you to be a giant slayer, the Holy, it's not enough for the Holy Spirit to be in you because guess what? He's in all Christians, yet not many Christians are giant slayers now, are they? It is about cultivating the relationship. 
that you have with him. It's not even about people say building a relationship. It's more cultivating because cultivating something requires a bit more care and attention. All right. You're a bit more intentional about the steps you take, about the things that you do so that that relationship can thrive and can flourish. You need to cultivate intimacy with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to see his benefit, if you're going to, if you're going to see his best in your life, we need to cultivate relationship. Relationship is the thermostat that determines the strength. Okay. The strength of how the Holy Spirit can walk in our lives and how he can use us and how he can walk and in and move through us. It's relationship and the relationship with the Holy Spirit is cultivated in the secret place. Let, let me just stay here for two minutes because we, we need to really get this. The secret place is where you cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. There, there is a benefit and I'm a big advocate for praying in groups and, you know, gathering together to pray together. That is extremely important. All right. Because the Bible says one shall, shall chase a, th- a thousand and two, which is 10,000. I'll put 10,000 to flight. The Bible says two are better than one. Right, Bible says the two of you shall agree. So there's a place for when we come together and pray in groups, whether virtually or physically, or you know, conference calls, whatever. There's a place for that. But there are dimensions in God. Just listen to me, because here I'm really hitting the nail on the head of where I need to go. There are dimensions in God that you will never scratch until you cultivate a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, until you find yourself buried in the secret place. The Holy Spirit requires intentionality to cultivate relationship it's not it would never happen by accident it has to be deliberate and so the big difference between a child of god who is found in places that we should never be found who is not able to supply light in a dark world who is classified non-essential at a time of need and that child of God who is blazing the trail, who is giant slain all the way, is the relationship that they have with the Holy Spirit. If you neglect relationship, you cannot benefit from the Holy Spirit as much. It's not about Holy Spirit move upon me. You fall down, you stand up, you shake and you vibrate a bit. That, that That's not enough. It's in the daily walk with him. It's in obeying his voice. Everything you do to keep a physical relationship you must do to keep a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You must book quality time. You must invest time. You must set apart time. You must engage in conversation. You must show respect and honor and deference to him. And then your relationship starts to grow and get stronger and stronger as you cultivate it with him. One of the things that happens is this, that God hides people for a season. For some of us who are looking for, I want, I want God to showcase my skills. I want God to give me a platform. I want, I want people to hear my name. I want, to, listen, read your Bible. God hides people for a season, but you miss the season of, of your hiding. All right. If you're just looking to be revealed, because that season is when you build and cultivate depth in spiritual things, relationship with the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus came to the, to, to the river Jordan to be baptized? Bible says as soon as he was baptized, the heavens opened unto him. The Spirit of God descended upon him 
like a dove in bodily form. And there was a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But the Bible says something that immediately after the spirit came on him, the same spirit drove him into the wilderness. And in that time frame, there was communion, there was fellowship, there was intimacy, there was strengthening of his inner man. All right. There was, there were dimensions of, of, of depth that he got from the secret place. The spirit will first drive you to a place where you can be alone with him. So if your secret life is not very strong, you need to invest time, <clears throat> excuse me, and effort in building your secret life. God hides people. God hides people. There is a power that only comes from having a healthy secret place. You know what? <clears throat> With God, let me read a scripture to you that shows you something. But don't forget about people like Joseph. Joseph had a dream of greatness and for a period of time, he was nowhere to be found. God hides people for a season where you build, where you develop. All right. Think about John. The Bible says John was in the wilderness until the day of his appearing. This was a guy who before he was born, the angel Gabriel came to announce the birth of John to his father. Not only that, gave him prophecy that this guy would be great. He would be all these amazing things. But the Bible says he would go into the wilderness for a period of time. And in there, he starts to cultivate relationship, starts to build depth. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You need to cultivate depth in your secret place. God hides people for a reason. So let me read to you Matthew 6 and verse 4. I read to you two scriptures. I'll build on that and then I'll tie this up. I, I feel like, you know, I need to pray now, you know, in a short while. The Bible says that Matthew 6 and verse 4, NKJV says that, that your charitable deeds, we're talking about the, 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 the hypocrites, okay, may be in secret. It says, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Your father who sees what you do in the secret place will reward you openly. So you want to be shown, you want to, you want to show forth. But God says you need to do something in the secret place so that your reward can be in the open. I read another scripture to you, Luke chapter 8, 16 and 17. The Bible says that no one, no one, when he has lit a lamp, huh, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a basket or a bucket or a vessel or anything or puts it under the bed. No, no, you don't do that. Okay? You don't do that. It says, but you set it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. In other words, you put it somewhere where it can be publicly seen and give light to the room. But realize that it says no one who has lit a lamp? The question is, have you lit a lamp? Because some of us, we are putting something on the lampstand that has no light on it. We want to be shown forth. We want to appear. We want a platform. We want to be seen. But we don't have substance yet because we have not lit a lamp. It says no one. It's after you light a lamp. Then we put you on the lampstand. That's what God is saying. But go further into verse number 17. You know, and it says that <laughs> for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden 
thou will not be known and come to light. There is nothing that is done in the secret place that will not come to light. I know the context is different, but guess what? This includes people. This includes people who invest time in building their secret place. It will come to light. It will show. It will show. When you light a lamp, God, you light the lamp. God is responsible for placing the lamp on the lampstand. So you want to be a giant slayer? Cultivate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Stay in the secret place. You know what? This text gives me encouragement. It encourages me to want to stay longer in the secret place. As a matter of fact, I want to be in the secret place for as long as I can be. Because the longer you are in the secret place, the brighter you shine when you come. Because the Bible says about Jesus in Luke 4, this will be verse 14, I believe, that when Jesus returned from the wilderness, he came back in the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit and the fame of him spread through all the land. So he came back and he was giant slaying all the way. He was following the agenda of his father. He was making a name for God because he was glorifying God all the time. And he was doing something significant with his life. But he came back in the power of the spirit. There is nothing. Remember this. There is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. And that includes you includes you it is your responsibility in the time and season that you are hidden to light a fire to light as many fires to burn wildly so that when god sees you he says now i can set you upon a lampstand you are now a light to your generation you are now a light to your city a light to your family a light to the nations but you cannot put something on the lampstand that does not have any substance or does not have any form of light whatsoever so when jesus came back in the power of the spirit he started to heal people and deliver the oppressed by the power of the spirit and 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 stay, stay here with because this is where application gets more personal to you there are dimensions of the holy spirit beyond healing and miracles because sometimes when we talk about the holy spirit the average Christian starts to think, well, I don't need that anointing stuff. I'm not called to ministry. No, it means you've not read your Bible. There are dimensions to the Holy Spirit that have nothing to do with ministry, pulpit ministry. We are called to some kind of ministry because, like I said, if your life is glorifying God, that's a ministry. But it has nothing to do with pulpit ministry. So let me give you an example. When you read the Old Testament, you read about a guy called Elisha. Elisha, of course, had the Spirit of God upon his life. But you see the manifestation of the Spirit of God in Elisha's life in the miraculous. Elisha was a guy who walked in miracles, strange miracles in the Bible. That was his specialty. Strange dimensions of miracles and prophetic. The same Holy Spirit was on a guy called Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. You hardly, I don't even remember one instance in the Bible of Samuel healing anybody. I don't remember it. There might be one, but it's it's not a thing that you find common in his ministry. He was a prophet per excellence. This guy was a seer. The Bible says anything that someone told you, it came to pass. The same Holy Spirit on two people, different manifestations, different thrusts, different expressions. Someone was a prophet, all right, and he was a king maker. That was the anointing on his life to make kings. If Samuel looked at you and said you're going to be king, you would be king. Forget it. That's it. If he said you're not going to be king, you are definitely not going to be king. He had a king making anointing on his life, 
and the prophetic. And the, pro the prophetic upon Samuel, oh my God, this guy moved in the prophetic territorially. In other words, this guy carried the prophetic with him everywhere he went. If you drove into Samuel's streets where he lived, you started to prophesy. Did you hear what I said? If you just, if you got lost, you were just, you know, you're trying to get to McDonald's and you took a wrong turn or something and you just ventured onto the street where Samuel's house was in Ramah, you immediately started to prophesy for days, fam. This guy was territorial in the prophetic grace upon his life. That was the kind of guy that he was. Prophetic. He was an altar. He was a moving altar. That's what he was. <laughs> a portal of grace. But then you look at other people in the Bible, like Joseph. The Bible says that the Spirit of God, the Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh who was a heathen king. Genesis chapter 41. The confession of Pharaoh was that, um, Mr. Joseph, what I see in your life is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Now, you don't understand what that really means until you know what Pharaoh is. All right, because when you look at it, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, the Bible talks about Pharaoh as a guy who had an arsenal. Okay, he had a collection of magicians and astrologers and wise men. He was a deep guy. This is the kind of guy that you would assume he was like from a deep African village. He had all kinds of deep spiritual guys that concocted spirits around him. But the spiritual guys around him could not interpret his dream. So when Joseph showed up, and by the Spirit of God. That's what I'm saying. It's not just about healing and miracles and all that. That's a dimension. But this dimension was for the interpretation of dreams. Pharaoh's confession, without nobody advising him, you know, not like one of his magicians whispered into his ears, his ears and said, hey, hey, Pharaoh, this guy has the Spirit of God. He discerned for himself. He's like, no, no, no. Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God, capital G? So he realized that there is something at work in Joseph that is coming from God. What about a man called Bezalel? This guy was a craftsman by the same spirit of God. He could build things with his hands. He could, he was responsible for building the, you know, the, the, the temple. Not, not actually not the temple, the, um, the tabernacle as they were moving through the, the wilderness. He was gifted by God in craftsmanship. There was a guy called Hiram as well who worked for Solomon. Gifted. Samson. What was his anointing? Strength. So the Holy Spirit has dimensions. And the Holy Spirit upon your life will find a dimension consistent with the gifting that God has given you. Breathe upon it and he magnifies it. And he brings more to you. And with all that together, you can become a true giant slayer. The problem is you need to find your frequency with the Holy Spirit. You only find it in the secret place. It's cultivated. He has a personal touch on everybody. I know, maybe not as much as I should know, but I know what it is that can get the Holy Spirit, you know, that can stir me up in the Spirit. I know what it is. I know. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is that you need to do right now? If you, if you, <laughs> if you got into a crisis right this moment, all of a sudden, do you know what you need to do in that moment, in the space of two to three to five minutes, if you need to hear clearly a direction from the Holy Spirit? Sometimes it's too late for you to run and say, you know what, let me go fast and pray. You need answers on the spot. I remember many years ago, um, 
<laughs> many years ago, I went somewhere, you know, to preach with my spiritual, you know, father. Um, as I often do, I, I, I actually, you know, I didn't go to preach. He went to preach. I accompanied him on that, on that journey. I'm talking about finding your place with God, okay? And your fingerprint with God. And it was, it was two services. So we finished the first service, he administered, and we we're just hanging out in the pastor's office, getting ready, you know, to go out for the second service. And the pastor's wife comes in <laughs> and brings, comes with a man of, a man. And she tells, you know, she tells, she's telling him uh, that, oh, you know, pastor, you know, his daughter has been missing for months now. And, you know, they've been looking for her everywhere. And, you know, you know, they, they thought she'd been kidnapped. And, you know, the man was visibly shaking and all that. And, and he looked at me and he said, Oh, so Deji, you know, what is God telling you about this matter? Now I looked at him like, look, I know if you want to disgrace me, all right, um, do it, you know, when no one is present. Don't disgrace me openly because at that time I hadn't found <laughs> that configuration in God where I could ask God a question in a moment and get an answer in a moment. So I said, look, I don't know. The Lord is not telling me anything about this matter. I didn't even, I was like, look, are you trying to disgrace me here? And right in that moment, he starts to say, you know, like, um, Lord, what is happening here? He's not even done saying, Lord, what is happening here? And he says, oh, this is what's happening. That the girl is with her mother and the mother is, the mother, okay, dad and mom are divorced, all right? So the mom has been breathing fire, telling the dad, you lost my child, uh, you'll be arrested, not knowing that the child, not knowing that the child was actually with the mom and she was lying to everyone. He said, well, the child is with the mother. The Holy Spirit just told me that right now. And everyone was like, oh, really? Good. And indeed, the child was with the mother. And I'm there looking like, oh my God. You mean there is a place in God where in an instant I can ask God a question and get an answer right away? I hadn't found it before. Why? I hadn't cultivated the secret place. You want to further God's agenda. I know your heart is right. I know your heart is right. You want to make a name for him. You want to glorify him. <laughs> you want to do something significant with your life. If you find yourself in the economy of God, which you are, there is a pattern. There is a due order for building in, in God's kingdom. You cannot do it outside of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus tells his disciples, wait, you need this. It is to your advantage that I go. Let him come. He will teach you all things. He will open your heart to other things. He would use you in ways that are unusual and uncommon. That's what he told his disciples. So my charge to you is that the Holy Spirit, <laughs> he's in you. But you need to dig deep. You need to draw from that well. You need to cultivate. Spend time in the secret place. Spend time. Have a track record in the secret place. Because that track record, that fire is what God sees. And he says, now I can put you on a lampstand. Listen to me. We don't slay giants by might or by power. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power. It is by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not by might. It, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it by struggling, by trying too hard. No. It is by the Spirit of the Lord that we do this. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, 
download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.